1: stop by the lounge now it's almost tip-off and everyone's already on their feet this is gonna be good that's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your live sports experience at AmericanExpress.com slash with Amex. Eligible American Express card required. Benefits vary by card and by venue. Terms apply.
0: If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com com slash boost by April 30th. Subscription
2: fees apply.
1: Investing involves risk. Three percent match requires goal for one year. From first match, must keep rate for five years. Match on transfer subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. With the
3: Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Doug Gottlieb's show, Fox Sports Radio. Hope you're having a good day. Doug Gottlieb's show is brought to you from beautiful, sunny Southern California and brought to us by one of our favorite cities. What a great place it would be to be right now in Las Vegas. Man, the weather is incredible. You have the NBA playoffs. You have baseball's opening day is tomorrow. So that means you got baseball futures to bet on. Oh, and you have the Masters, which looks like we're going to have Tiger Woods. We'll take you to Augusta upcoming later on this hour. In 20 minutes, by the way. A guy who uh, who wrote a book about Tiger Woods' most tumultuous season. And There have been plenty to, to choose from. Uh, anyway, the Doug Outlieb Show is brought to you by Vegas, Las Vegas. Your home for live sports. and That means all sports. Every game, match, race, competition, it is is always on. Now go out and plan your trip at VisitLasVegas.com and see the best and the brightest in Las Vegas, the greatest arena on earth. Uh, the Los Angeles Lakers were eliminated from the playoffs, even though the playoffs have been expanded to 10 teams on each side with a play-in tournament. Here's Anthony Davis last night.
5: This year we had more sign lineup than we had wins. Our goal was to win the championship. so We had the pieces, but injuries still got in the way of that. And that was a, was a difference in our season. Even though we lost games where all of us was on the floor, me, Bron, Russ, I think we are three great players, Where we would have you know, figured it out be, if we logged more minutes together.
3: All right, there, there's, a, there's a lot there, okay? And I think what Anthony Davis said is actually, on many levels, very, very fair. Like, look, if they're all healthy, they make the playoffs. You know, they're all healthy and injuries absolutely derailed their season. It's not just the injuries to Anthony Davis and the injuries to LeBron James. They didn't have Trevor Reza the first half of the season. Um, Like you kind of go through their team and everyone outside of Russell Westbrook has been hit with an injury or two or three or whatever. Right. I mean, that's just who they are. You know, LeBron James didn't play last night. He's missed games because of his ankle. There were many stretches in which um, you kind of, kind of go through their roster. and You're like, oh, I, I completely thought, forgot they had Kendrick Nunn. They never figured out the backup point guard position. But Kendrick Nunn missed essentially the entire season. Uh, that that's a guy who they thought would have an impact. So if you're fair about it and you go, all right, there were times in which they didn't have LeBron, times in which they didn't have Ariza, times in which they didn't have a good amount of time which they didn't have Anthony Davis, and times in which they didn't have Kendrick Nunn. Like, look, we're, we're, if we're just fair, we go like, all right, they will the playoffs. But he did say they were a championship team, right? Does anybody think that's a championship team? Does anybody think that those three work together? Like, doesn't feel that way at all. It never felt like it was go- working or going to work. There weren't even glimpses, and you're like, okay, yeah, that's a championship team. And oh, yeah, by the way, while you cannot plan for injuries, you can plan for injuries based upon this roster. Like, what? Yeah, well, look, when, you're, when your best player is injured just about every season, that being Anthony Davis, and your historically best player is 37 years old and was never injured until the past couple of years. And, oh, yeah, by the way, when you went out and got Kendrick Dunn, he was hurt, and Trevor Reza was already old, and he was kind of banged up. Like, what did you – when you have this many guys in their 30s, what would you think was going to happen? What would you think? You know, Carmelo didn't get hurt. That's because he didn't play any defense. <laughs> you can't hurt yourself. You're just shooting threes. So I, I don't – it was a fundamentally flawed roster to begin with. But, but I'm going to say this. Look, I'm not – And maybe this is one of the reasons I'm not on a debate show, but I don't think it's all or nothing. I don't think it's all LeBron's fault, but I also don't think he skates on this one. And I'm not just talking about LeBron, the GM, being a bad GM. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about just the idea that going for the scoring title right now, I think he's a minuscule point behind Joel Embiid for the scoring title. Holding himself out of games. Hell, even holding himself out of the last couple of games. Which, it looked like feeble, a feeble effort to get them into the playoffs. But you got no shot if LeBron doesn't play. No shot. But if you, if there's no more empty, hollow stats than a guy who could lead the league in scoring. And his team doesn't make, not just the playoffs, the top ten. Top 10. There's no possible way which you can convince me that LeBron was having a great season and only his teammates were to blame. So this is me saying, I'm not only blaming LeBron, but I'm blaming LeBron. Right? He didn't have a terrible season, but please don't tell me he had a great season just because you look at the stat totals. The, The... the thing the greatest player and the reason that i I've, I've always struggled with calling carmelo anthony a great player he's a great scorer is can, the greatest players can raise the level of everybody around him and honestly that's been lebron's gift for most of his career that was not the case this year and though we can say some of it is on those guys some of it is on lebron he's clearly not the same guy defensively nor could we ever expect him to be, but he lives on that reputation. He's also not the same guy in terms of athletically and offensively, but he lives on that reputation. And then we just go with the gross totals of him scoring points and, and the championship game in the NCAA was a perfect example. No one cares how many you score in the first half. What do you score when the game's on the line? So, you're going to run back if you're a a Gottlieb hater and a LeBron lover. You're going to sit here and go, Gottlieb's a hater. I'm not. I'm just a realist. I'm just telling you how it actually is. It actually is like this. If we say the best of the best make everybody around him better, and LeBron James couldn't get into the top 10 in the Western Conference, the top 10 in the Western Conference, there is no possible way in which you're going to convince me he had a great year. You're just not, and you can point to field goal percentages and, and and whatever whatever else you want, right? Whatever else you want, you can point to all any any sort of stats you want, but we all know that this team was not lifted to a higher plane by LeBron James's play. You know, the the gross total of points that, by my estimation, is a reflection of the fact that. He, he's, he's right there taking more shots than he's ever taken just about any time in his career outside of his third season when he also averaged 31 a game. And by the way, there is a correlation there between years in which you're a scorer and your team's not being as good. And people have figured out a long time ago. Like, the best thing LeBron James... And maybe this is the, the story, it's a fair story, of, you know, when he passes Kareem Abdul-Jabbar to become the all-time scoring leader in NBA history... It would be fair to say, hey, isn't it interesting that that's not actually the best thing he did? But two years ago, when they won the NBA title and they were in the bubble, he led the league in assists, and they were the better because of it. Now they lead; he, he leads to leads the league or is close to leading the league in scoring, and they can't get into the top ten.
1: What does that tell you? What does that tell you?
2: Tell it like it is, and even sing a song or two.
4: This is our
2: podcast, and we're gonna do it our way. Listen to our way on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast.
0: Discover BetMGM, the betting app sports fans in the capital region turn to for nonstop action all winter long.
3: And it's something you guys have done. Well, maybe Ramos a little bit. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Nothing you guys have done. It's it's just when you you know when you're out of town, and I don't know what your guys' limit is. Like there is a, a um, like there are a number of days in which you have to be. I think you have to be in a place three days, and then the max is five days. I mean, now I know like the pandemic was different. I have friends that I have friends like. I oh, man, if I could go back, I probably would have done this. I've I have two really good friends that basically spent the entire lockdown. The entire thing, they they spent it in Hawaii. I mean, that's a dope deal, right? Go spend it in Hawaii? But but anyway, um, and you know, like you spend the whole time, then you almost become like a local, and that thing is incredible. But outside of when we were all locked down, yeah, you kind of feel like five days is a lot. Five days, you're like, okay, I'm ready. It doesn't matter how good a place it is, you're still ready to go home. Three days. If you anything less than three days, you just you don't feel like you accomplished or saw much or did much. It's just too much. It's like a whirlwind. Like well, I spent 72 hours in Paris. Like uh, all right, that doesn't actually sound that like that much fun. You know, part of the idea of traveling and seeing a place is, you know, taking a breath and having either a beer or a cup of coffee and not thinking about stuff. Anyway, I realized it was Wednesday, and when it's Wednesday, it's the middle of the week.
6: (laughs) Stuck in the
1: middle
6: with you. It's time for. Stuck in the
5: middle.
6: The Midway.
3: Okay, so the Midway, well, we do it like, a, Wednesdays are just sometimes a slow day. We got Masters tomorrow. We got uh, a baseball opening their season tomorrow. not much going on in hoops today. So we, we come up with a Midway. I saw this story. Okay. It's from The Athletic. Tobias Harris was talking about Joel Embiid. Joel Embiid apparently likes his steaks burnt. This is what Tobias Harris says. He likes his steaks burnt, which is super disrespectful. We're at a very well-known steakhouse. He asked for the steak to be burnt. Burnt. The chef came out and was like, he's not burning the steak. That's like against his chef code. Joel was disappointed, and he was like, I don't want to eat her anymore. So, you know, you go into... I mean, name your favorite high-end steakhouse, and NBA players get $110 or $120 a day in per diem. right? So in addition to their salary, you get money so they can go eat on the road. You roll into a steakhouse, you're ready to throw out whatever, and he's like, uh, cowboy ribeye, how do you want it? Burnt. Burnt. Which led me to this question. How do you like your steak? Jay Stu, how do you like
5: your steak? See, I... I typically do medium well, no matter where I'm at, Oof. and I get, Oof. I get, yeah, I Oof. get like a sideways Oof. look from the people that I'm with. Now, I guess it depends, right? Because like, uh, if you go to Morton's or or um, or Ruth Chris or something, I might I might do something um, a medium, right? But if I'm at an Outback or somewhere else, I typically do medium well. Um, but yeah, medium well is how I typically do it, and I, I know I get sideways looks, so I'm probably more on the embed side of this than your typical steak lovers.
3: That's that's a little much. The midway. Uh, okay, so medium, medium well, at a steakhouse. Okay, medium well steakhouse is not the medium well at Outback, right? <laughs> so uh, help me out. Do you like a very Dark pink? Do you like it? Pink? Do you like it brown when you cut it open?
5: I think a dark pink is is probably the, my limit. I don't know okay. if I want a a pink.
3: Okay, that's that's technically medium well, but but a dark pink is your limit. Again, you can make it how you want. Do you want well done? Well done is one hundred sixty degrees, no color, firm, drier. Medium well, one hundred fifty degrees, mostly brown center, firm texture. Medium, hot pink center. Slightly firmer texture. Medium rare, warm center, um, and it's considered preferred. And then rare is cold center, cold and warm red center. So do you like brown, mostly brown, pink? What do you like? What do you actually like? Whatever Not that, what the limit is.
5: Whatever that darker pink is. Yeah. It, okay, medium I'm, well.
3: Yeah. All right, what about no you, Ramos?
7: I like mine medium rare. Ooh. I like to have a little tenderness there, a little little of the juice coming out of it. I don't know if you want to call it blood. Is that that's what I always been told. It's the blood that's coming out, but uh yeah. I like a, like a tender.
3: Okay, so like medium rare? Medium warm, rare. Warm red
7: center. Yes, that or sounds good. Like,
3: or do you like a hot pink center? A hot pink sounds good to that's me. That's medium. That's not medium rare.
7: Okay. So then Just go no, back sorry. to the medium well. Go back to the medium, medium. rare there.
3: <laughs> no. Okay. Well no. No. No, I, listen, there's rare. <laughs> Okay. There's medium rare. I don't rare. want rare. There's medium. You like medium. If you like hot pink, you like medium. Okay. If you like warm red, that's medium rare.
7: I like them both. Can I like them both or no? I,
3: you can like them both, but if you're going to order a steak. Now, some people order steak, they say medium rare. Okay. And then if it comes back too rare, they go, hey, throw it back on. I don't say that. Okay. So which one is it? You can only, you can only <laughs> okay. pick one. You can I'm gonna, like both. Yes. You only pick one. I'll take the medium then. Okay.
7: Isaac Lohen-Kron. Isaac Lohenkron, steak. Here's my answer, and then I'll pose two questions for the group. Oh. I like my stake, Medium We. Medium We is halfway between medium and medium well, hence Medium We. Now, first of two questions, are, are these servers like, is it policy are they supposed to stare daggers at you and give you attitude if you order well done? Is that like literally part of their job description? And also, it used to be that way just for well done. But now I've noticed they kind of look at people sideways and give you attitude also if you order medium well it used to be they just give you the dirty looks for well done but now i'm starting to see it with people who order their steaks medium well
3: yeah there is a lot of a lot of pressure there to, to to get the the word well out of your order there just is there is <laughs> And at some point you want to go like hey dude listen i'm i'm not trying to i'm not trying to diminish how you bring home the bacon but you're a server. You're a waiter. Okay.
7: <laughs> Raised eyebrow, dirty look. The midway. Right, but Long think, pause. I see. I cannot, I can, it's like you go to. The,
3: I cannot believe that the older the, the steak. Had. <laughs> like, bro, I like my steak how I like my steak. Okay. Even if I think you're you're completely wasting money if you go well done or medium well, right. you're allowed to do all that. Exactly. I think their reaction, honestly, Isaac, is they know that the, the second you hand in that order, the chefs are going <laughs> to sacre bleu, right? The chefs are going to lose their lose their mind. All right, my turn. Yes. How about the Midway? Where's the— The, the midway. midway. The
6: Midway.
3: Um, I almost—I I, I order medium rare. I always have. And if there's a time in which I'm feeling like I wanted a little bit more— I have no problem sending it back. Although when you do send it back, it's not the same thing. Um, So, which leads me to my second question. What about your cut of steak? Because I do think cut of steak matters, right? Like if you go a flank steak, you need to go a little bit more medium, right? Because if you don't, like it's, to go medium rare, they barely cook it, you know, Um, on the other, and then whereas, uh, maybe some people feel like that about thicker pieces of meat. What is your, again, you can like other cuts, but what is your favorite cut of meat? Jason Stewart.
5: Yeah, now we're getting in the, into the sophisticated uh, steak eater jargon, but I think what you're asking me, if I'm given a menu at a nice place, like a uh, Morton's or something, I typically get the New York strip. Does that, does that answer your question? Does that speak to the cut?
3: Yes, I'm going to speak. That's not, uh, this is not some <laughs> steaky thing. A cut of steak is you go in, <laughs> you go into a grocery store, you go into the butcher shop, and you're like, right, right, you don't just go like steak, I
6: like steak. <laughs> the midway. <laughs> yeah,
5: you, act, you acted like my question was like some snobby. No, no, I, I I'm just not a sophisticated steak eater, you know. I but I I get it, I get it. My girlfriend is a prime. Eater and she wants it rare. Yes. Like she just, yes. she needs that rare. Yes, so yes, I, that's not okay. Me. All right, so you got uh, you got fillet, you got ribeye, you got the
3: cowboy ribeye or the tomahawk. That's with the bones to big. The, the cowboy has the bone in it. The tomahawk has the big, like gigantic bone in it. You feel like a medieval caveman. You got the New York strip. You got the porterhouse. That's the the porterhouse is the one with the the t the old t bone steak, right? You got the hanger, personal favorite. Uh, you got flank. You got skirt. Uh, what else you got? There, there are some others. Ramos, where are you and cut a steak? Can I say t- uh, t-bone? t-bone? Sure. Okay. Porterhouse.
7: Yeah. Is that what it is? A porterhouse. That's the T-bone's what? Like the uh, <laughs> the non-technical way of calling it? Correct. Okay. So I'll take the porterhouse. Thank you. Porterhouse it is. Isaac Lowenkron? If someone else is paying, filet mignon. If I'm paying, Chuck. <laughs> <laughs> Um, okay. The midway.
3: Now, do you do the petite filet, which is the smaller, or the bigger filet?
7: If someone else is paying the bigger filet. <laughs> if I'm paying, petite. Uh, all right, here, here's how I go with it. I do, I go hanger first.
3: Um, I, I, uh, a very, like, you talk about prime meats. If I get a prime, like, skirt, uh, it's, I can, I can do unbelievable. It's, it's unbelievable to cook at home. Um, hanger first, skirt and then ribeye, ribeye, and then cowboy ribeye. I don't actually enjoy most other cuts of steak. And that, well, that is what we call, at least on this show, The, the Midway.
7: I love what do you got? Got a lot of hunger, thanks to you in that last segment.
3: (laughs) Stuck outlive show here on Fox Sports Radio. Eric uh, tweets the show in Texas. We eat steak. We don't care how somebody orders it. There's no wrong way to eat steak in Texas. Snobs are snobby about everything. I don't know, man. I'm I'm telling you, you go to a nice place and they're like, please don't order well done. Please don't order well done. Eric Mangini joins us, NFL analyst on Fox Sports One. Your uh, your steak cut of choice and how you like it prepared.
6: Uh I like New York
3: strip medium rare okay, okay, you will and uh
6: I don't think you can go
3: wrong with that i, I don't think you can go wrong with that, and like i mean like we were we were talking about how chefs or even weight staff right the second you go medium well or well, they like oh my god, like you would think that you said something about their moms, and honestly <laughs> and honestly that
1: you know like i I just don't want to overcook overcook the steak. Be sure to catch live editions of the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. Discover BetMGM, the betting
0: app sports fans in the Capital Region turn to for nonstop action all winter long. Take the excitement of football, basketball, and hockey to the next level with same-game parlays, exclusive signature bets, odds boost promos, and much more. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly and offer resources to help you make appropriate choices. Please gamble responsibly. BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Washington, D.C. only. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call
2: 1-800-GAMBLER. Good song. The Johnny Carson theme, right? Hey, who wrote that? Skip, who do you think? It's your buddy. Hi, everyone. I'm Paul Anka.
4: Do you think there are secret bunkers?
5: That's just on my
4: list of questions I have about Jesse Ventura. It's our mission to get to the heart of these conspiracy theories and figure out the why, the how, and especially the if. Listen to Mission Implausible on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
2: Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family.
4: I will call upon you to do a service
2: for me. Play the Godfather. Now at Chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family.
1: VGW Group. No purchase necessary. where prohibited
0: by
4: law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.
0: Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos.
1: And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great.
3: Robert Lucettis joins us. He's actually in Los Angeles, just like the rest of us. I'm sure waiting on bated breath to see Tiger going to play tomorrow and what he looks like. Uh, Robert, um, what what's the just your reaction, your gut feel to seeing him play? Like I, I I'm, I'm only asking because when he had the car accident, I thought that was it. You know, I thought he'd, you know, he'd tip his cap and and be the and, and you know the the old tee shot to start the golf tournament and then he'd go sit down. He's going to play in this thing. What's your reaction to it?
8: Well, I mean, a week ago I would have, uh, I would have said uh, there was no chance. But uh, obviously I think the thing about Tiger is obviously he always keeps his cards very close to his chest. He hasn't really let on to anybody that he was far more progressed than anybody thought in terms of recovering from his injury. You know, he has a mangled foot. Um, and But obviously, I mean, watching him move around and uh, hit the ball, I mean, he, he, he looks like he can do it. Um, of course, he's you know, he likes to drain a little drama in there. He throws it in there. Uh, and we all sit like, you know, uh, I tweeted yesterday that high school girls don't tease this much. You know, it's uh, – uh, but look, it's going to be great to see him out there, uh, I think, I don't know, you know, anybody that doesn't want to see him out there. I'm not sure what his level of competition will be at, but um, you know that if he doesn't think he can, he's not going out there to embarrass himself. He's not going out there to make the numbers up, or you know, he he believes that he can put up a good showing. And uh, I mean, uh, you know, who can doubt the guy given his history?
3: Uh, you, you, you've written a book, and obviously one of the reasons we want to have you on—it's called Unplayable the inside account of Tiger Woods most tumultuous season. This is published back in 2013. Like did did what's interesting is you could go and maybe there wasn't a season like that but there have been some crazy seasons past that. Um is there a part 2 to the book now that we've seen now that you 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 wrote one <laughs> that was published back in 13?
8: Yeah, it was actually published in 2010 about the 2009 season. Which obviously finished uh, with the scandal, and uh, you know his life uh, essentially just blowing up before our very eyes. Um, but yeah, look, I mean, there, there there probably could be three books that that would come after that because one of the things that uh, we we became very clear to me was that Tiger really, you know, I I, I told the story before, but. At the Ryder Cup of 2010, um, I was with some colleagues and uh, we bumped into Michael Jordan, who was there, and he said, uh, "You know, Tiger's problem was he hears everything, and similar to Kobe. You know, when Kobe had uh, the the his his legal problems, he needed to invent the the the, the Mamba to to sort of." you know, close all of those things out and to get him out of his head and to play the best he can. And Tiger obviously didn't have that because he did. He, he. I think he was hurt by a lot of the, you know, the silly pancake waitress house jokes and, you know, all of that stuff. I think it bothered him. And he never really, I think, overcame the mental barrier to winning a major after that. And then I thought pretty much, It was over for him. But I think that DUI was really uh, the turning point because uh, I believe after that he went to rehab. Uh, He had, I think, some issues, issues as a lot of people do in in this country with with, uh, pain medications. Uh, I think he got that under control. And the next thing you know, know, there he is winning the 2019 Masters. And I I, I remember vividly uh, just standing there, and they were cheering him. Like, it was a football game, and I'd never seen that at Augusta National in, in almost 25 years of going there. So, I mean, just the, the, the guy really is, uh, uh, you know, he really is not once in a generation. He's a once-in-a-century talent, but also a narrative, a storyline. So I'm very much looking forward just to, you know, the, the, the Masters this year and to see what he's going to do.
3: It's fascinating you, you point that out, that, that it's a once-in-a-lifetime. I mean, think about Phil. Uh, in comparison or by comparison, right? Phil was not beloved on the tour by players, but then the fans, there was a division. And then when Tiger had his trouble, suddenly Phil became kind of the the golden boy. Now Phil is, you know, feels like the, the, back to the kind of the spoiled guy complaining about money when he's made all this money off the tour and the Saudi thing. And he's persona non grata. Whereas Tiger People just want to see him play golf. We don't even care how he does. Like, that, that's amazing on how the public chooses to ingest these guys, their personality, and their lifestyles.
8: Absolutely. And you've got to also remember that prior to the scandal, Tiger's uh, brand was very carefully cultivated. Um, I, you know, he was basically a cardboard cutout. There was two dimensions. There was no, you know, And everything else was kept under wraps. So he had this secret life and uh not many people knew about it and, and including me i mean i was writing a book about him and i really honestly until it all hit the fan i i, I didn't know the extent of any of it now if you said to me you is a guy that's almost got a billion dollars in the bank you know is he, is he going to stray maybe from his uh, from his wedding bells uh, what are the odds the odds are uh, sadly pretty good but i still wouldn't have thought tiger would have been reckless enough to have done the things he's done. And I think Phil, in a similar way, has kept very good tabs on his brand and how he chooses to see his, himself being portrayed in the media and in public. And there are some of his peers who have said over the years, as VJ Singh famously said, is that the real Phil? And uh, we're seeing now that uh, Phil, in a, in a sense, I think a lot of it's coming home to roost. Um, I believe that there's probably things that we don't know about. There's a book coming out on him, and I don't think it's going to be particularly flattering. So there's a lot going on with Phil on top of the Saudi uh, issue on top of this uh, you know the 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 appearance that he's out for, you know just just sort of making money for himself, which, by the way, that's what golfers do, right? They play for money every week. But um, it seemed definitely unseemly, and Phil's paying the price for that. And as we heard from Fred Ridley of uh, Augusta National, I, I really never thought that they tapped him on the shoulder and said, you, you know, don't come this year. But I do think that Phil read the room correctly and said, I shouldn't come because I'll be a distraction, and that, and that's not the kind of distraction you want. And uh, so, yeah, I mean, both of them, their arcs are going, uh, Tiger and Phil, They've always been in, intertwined, but rarely, rarely uh, are the arcs going in the same direction.
3: If you were going to go to Vegas and throw some coin down, John Rahm, like would that be the guy? Like, who would you? Who do you legitimately think should be the favorite to win this thing?
8: Well, I mean, I I, I would say that you can't ignore a guy that's won three times in the last, you know, whatever it's been, month and a half. Scotty Scheffler. Um, I know that. You know, you, you, usually you need a little bit of time around that place to, to not feel like a lot of players go there and they feel like they're a tourist. You know, feel, they, it feels like a kid in Disneyland. Wow, look at this place! So there's there's a wow factor that you've got to you've got to overcome, and and a lot of guys take some time, take some years to get used to the place and get used to everything. But I like, I mean, I. I <sighs> Scotty Scheffler to me looks good, and and look, I know you know he's a compatriot of mine, but um, Cam Smith is, I think, is a, a, a an all-round. Uh, there's not much that he doesn't do really well, but if he drives it well, that guy is such a deadly putter, and uh, good putters do very well at Augusta National, so I, I'd keep an eye on the the mullet.
3: Keep an eye on them all. It's Doug Gottlieb show here on Fox Sports Radio. Robert Lucetich uh, joins us. Uh, What about the health overall of the sport? And I mean that knowing that, kind of like baseball, there's an unbelievable amount of talent, right? Like the the depth of talent on the tour is ridiculous. On the other hand, none of them, there hasn't been a guy who's hit yet or stayed atop long enough to where it just feels like it's all an ensemble cast. Where where are we with the sport?
8: Well, look, I mean, it's deeper than it's ever been, but the stars uh of yesteryear were stars and and there there's something to be said about, you know, Arnold Palmer and Jack and Tom Watson and and uh uh you know, the the Gary player and all these big names always being at the top of a leaderboard. Now, you could say that that was because the rest of the, 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 the bottom feeders weren't as good and weren't challenging them, so it was always, you know, the same names, Trevino and Miller, and these guys were always at the top, and then Greg Norman. But the other thing that's really happened is that Tiger has completely skewed our way of viewing what is success in golf. Before Tiger, if Greg Norman won three times in a year, I mean, it was, a, it was an unbelievable year. It was an incredible year, a dominating year. Our Tiger routinely won five times and then would win nine times. So when you have somebody that has a good month or two, you say, wow, this is the new Tiger. Well, newsflash, there won't be a new Tiger. It's not going to happen, I don't think, in my lifetime. that We'll ever see anybody dominate the sport the way Tiger Woods did. And the other thing to say is you need rivalries, and you know Deschambeau is kind of a good villain, villain type of a character, uh, but he needs somebody to play off. Need, you, you, you need rivalries, and uh, and and golf doesn't really have them. These guys are they're good for, as you said, you know they're in spurts, they're, they they play very well, and you're like, wow, this guy's going to be great, and then you know they, they they sort of peter off a little bit, so. The fields are very, very deep, but it's missing, you know, the characters. And I think that that will only come with time. And we're going to need to see some Sundays at majors with these guys down the stretch, as we saw with Tiger and everyone that challenged him. I mean, they're, they're, you know, from Phil to Sergio to B.J. Singh to Adam Scott, uh, you know, to, to uh, I mean, Ernie Els. The, the, Retief Goosen. There were all these guys that came after Tiger, and that was captivating. And uh, you know, I mean, I, I had a, a, a few flutters with uh, an old colleague of mine now, now sadly passed, where I, after I won won so many majors taking Tiger, I gave him the field. You know, I mean, imagine how preposterous that idea is. One guy, and you give someone the field against that one guy, and you win seven out of eleven. I mean, it's just incredible. So we're at a time where there isn't a Tiger Woods, and that's not really the fault of any of these guys. John Rahm's a great player. I mean, Justin Thomas, these are good players, really, really good. But they need to get to a level that just isn't just about golf. It's almost transcending golf. And so, you know, do do, do people who watch Federer and Nadal or or Djokovic, are they big tennis fans or do they just want to see – the best go at best the it. Best. That's what it comes down to.
3: Completely agree with you. Completely agree with you. Um, best guess who wins this thing?
8: I mean, I'm, I'm going to throw out Cam Smith again. I, I, I feel like uh, his game is really well suited. Aussies, I know, have only won their once, which is pretty amazing given Norman's close calls uh, and tragedies. But uh, he does have the parts of the game... He's a great iron player. I think he's a pretty good driver of the ball, and he's just got the most silky touch with the putter. And uh, ultimately, I'll always take somebody that can make a six-foot bender at Augusta, you know, because that, that's what it comes down to. You're going to have so many of those, and the guys that make those are the guys that end up, you know, winning at, at the end at the end of the week. Uh, no, I mean, I mean, like, so.
3: what, what? What is who is Tiger? Right, greatest iron player ever. And when yeah. he was at his peak, he didn't miss um, six and, six yeah. and in. Didn't
8: um, miss untouchable one time Steve Williams told me once in 2000 and it might have been 2000 and into 2001 he said if Tiger didn't three putt in a week he won I mean imagine that imagine that if he didn't three putt he would win the tournament and that is just incredible also a testament to you know who I also you know agree I didn't obviously see Hogan and I didn't see Jack at his best but you know Tiger. I've never seen an iron player like him, and uh, and we saw that in 2019 where he won the Masters, and actually we saw it in 2018 at, at uh, the PGA where Brooks Kepka was on such a just a just this incredible heater that he actually held off Tiger. But the iron, I mean Tiger couldn't hit a fairway to save his life. But his his you know he was hitting eight irons from one you know 72 to to 10 feet all day, and when he starts doing that, he's hard to beat.
3: No question about it. Robert, great stuff. Um, um, The book is called Unplayable, an inside account of Tiger's most tumultuous season. You can pick it up, and we're waiting for part two or maybe part three whenever Robert decides (laughs) to sit down and start typing that thing out. Thanks so much for joining us. You got it, mate.